This episode contains real, narrated experiences. Listener discretion is advised. Good evening, and welcome into Disturbed. I'm your host, Chad. This week, I'm bringing you five true horrifying tales that will certainly keep you up at night. So brace yourself for episode 23 of Disturbed. And here we are, folks, rolling right into the spooky season of October. What better time to be a listener of the show than right now? Tonight, our first experience comes courtesy of Reddit user Strange Fits of Passion. Narrating this story is our own Aaron Lillis. Last year, my fiancé and my mom passed away, one right after the other. After they died, I obviously fell into a deep depression. Though I thought I was pulling off the whole I'm fine thing, my friends could clearly see through it. A close friend almost demanded I move in with her and get out of the apartment I shared with my fiancé for ten years. She wanted me to start fresh, and while I didn't think I was ready to move on, the idea of not living alone was appealing. Plus, her apartment is in a much nicer neighborhood than the one I was currently living in, so I agreed. Living with her has been fantastic. Our schedules are opposite, me on days, her on nights, so we both get alone time, but we also have at least one day a week off together so we can hang out. Moving has also allowed me to be able to walk to work as it's so close. I thought that would be a godsend until my 10-minute walk caused a two-month-long nightmare. I decided to sit in the park that's between my apartment and my job one evening after work. As I'm sitting there, a man approached me. I saw his face first. He was almost handsome, if not a little rough-looking. Even though I live in an urban area with a high homeless population, it didn't occur to me this man was anything but a mildly handsome 40-something guy. So I smiled and looked back down at my phone, expecting him to walk on by me. Nope. He asked me what time it was. When I looked up to tell him... I noticed all the stuff he was carrying. It was so random. A kid's chalkboard with nonsense all over it, a paper bag full of old magazines and paperwork, and a steel shelf that at one point would have held CDs. I then noticed he wasn't wearing shoes and his hands were filthy. Needless to say, it finally dawned on me that this was not going to be a normal encounter. He started talking nonstop. Some of it nonsense, but some coherent. All of it fucking crazy. Of the parts I could follow, he told me he had just been released from prison and he was looking for a tattoo shop because he wanted to get Fuck the DOC, the Department of Corrections, and 34, the number of DOC violations he had while in prison, tattooed on him, and he wanted the DOC to pay for it. He then noticed a button I had on my bag that had the local for a local gay bar on it. He told me he had gone there one night and went home with a guy. Then he looked me up and down and said, but young ladies are my problem. I gathered my stuff and left immediately. 
Now, I love this apartment, but it has its drawbacks, which became glaringly obvious after this encounter. The apartment is on the first floor. I love it because you can walk out the sliding glass doors, one in the living room and one in my bedroom, right onto the awesome gated patio that has tables and grills for barbecuing, so it's awesome in the summer. I now hate it because it's right on the street and the fencing is clearly very easy to scale. One very early morning, around 5 a.m., I hear a man scream, What the fuck are you doing? So loud and so close, it woke me up from a dead sleep, and I legitimately thought it was coming from in my bedroom. As it turned out, it was coming from outside. A neighbor had been leaving for work and discovered a man, the man from the park, sleeping against my sliding glass door. The dude got scared off, my neighbor checked on me, and once I calmed down, I chalked it up to a fucked up coincidence. Two weeks later, I was sleeping, and at some point, this man came on the patio and was now tapping on my sliding glass door. I honestly just laid there, frozen in fear, until he escalated to full-blown kicking the glass. I turned the light on to grab my phone, and he took off. I called the police, and they came over to take the report and to look at footage from the cameras in the building. The footage confirmed it was the man from the park, and more disturbingly, the footage from the hallway cameras showed that on more than one occasion, he had slipped in the building behind a resident and sat in the lobby for several hours, at one point going down the hallway and trying my doorknob and my neighbor's doorknob to see if they were locked. He even went so far as to hide in the little mailbox room when he saw my roommate coming in from work. The police think he either followed me from the park or had just happened to notice me at one point when I was on the patio. It's been a few weeks, and I haven't seen him, and no one has reported seeing him in or around the building. My roommate bought me pepper spray, and my kind of kooky, albeit well-meaning, neighbor, who has made it very clear he's retired military and a bit of a gun nut, checks on me nightly. So I'm not as freaked out as I could be. But still, crazy fucking guy from the park? Let's not meet again. Now it's time to give a shout out to our newest Patreon fan club member, Carrie O'Brien. Carrie is now a premium listener and will enjoy tons of awesome perks, including our bonus episodes of Disturbing Calls, available only to Patreon fan club members. Now, if you're curious what else is included for fan club members or you want your own shout out, Visit disturbedpodcast.com slash fan club and join for as little as $3 a month to start receiving your benefits today. Coming in with our next experience is Reddit user Colette3R, featuring narration by our own Rachel Diamond. Rachel hosts her own podcast called We're All Mad Here, covering the crazy history of mental health. The story I'm about to tell you happened yesterday night. I live in Nantes, in West France. I'm quite a petite girl, and I avoid confrontation whenever I can. I'm pretty good at it, because since I can remember... I've had a very strong sixth sense thing. I try to avoid people who make me anxious. It's allowed me to survive some very dangerous situations and prevented one kidnapping. But that's not part of this story. Yesterday, I visited a very close friend of mine. A few days ago, she broke her leg, so I decided to cheer her up by giving her a few gifts. 
I was having such a good time I didn't notice when it got dark outside. Despite the late hour, I decided to go home. I said goodbye to my friend and left her apartment. I was about 40 minutes from home, but I'd walked this distance many times without any problem, so I thought it would be the same this time. How wrong I was. Less than five minutes passed, and I just felt something bad was going to happen. I was approaching one of the many bridges in our city. I didn't see anyone around, so I thought my senses were playing a trick on me. This has happened before, so I kept going. The bridge was about 20 meters in front of me before I heard a voice and a giggle. I turned my head slightly and saw three men walking towards me. I felt a cold sweat on my back, but it was too late to turn around. I didn't want to show them that I was afraid. I know this response provokes more harassment. I kept walking, but turned my music down. I didn't take my headphones off because I didn't want them to know about my suspicions. I heard their footsteps behind me. They were saying something, but I didn't know what because they were speaking in a different language. I was already on the bridge when they caught up to me. As I said, I'm a petite girl. They were over 180 centimeters or six feet tall. They caught up to me and I had no choice but to try to keep going. A shudder ran through my body. I didn't know what they wanted or what they were saying, but I felt that I was in danger. They kept talking to me. They leaned over me and whispered things into my ears. And they laughed. This sound will haunt me for the rest of my life. At one point, they noticed I was doing my best to ignore them, and then the worst began. They started making animal noises. They howled, growled, whistled, and kissed the air loudly. They did these things very close to my face. I was desperate, but where would I go? I was on a bridge. I would kill myself if I jumped into the water or break both my legs if I was lucky. Those two minutes to cross the bridge felt like an eternity for me. When we got to the end of the bridge, I was sweaty, close to tears. I thought I was going to throw up. I was shaking, which seemed to amuse them even more. And then a miracle happened. Someone called my name, very loud. I looked up and saw someone approaching us. He was a very tall man, several years older than me. But I didn't know him. I had no idea who he was or how he knew my name. But it didn't matter at the time. I felt he was my guardian angel. He came over to us and was staring furiously at the three strangers. I couldn't see their faces, but they fell silent. What are you doing to my girlfriend? He asked, still frowning at them. He stretched out his hand in my direction, never taking his eyes off them. Come on, sweetheart. I did not wait. I didn't know who he was, why he was helping me, but I didn't care. I gripped his hand tightly and almost nestled against his shoulder. My heart was beating fast and loud, but I was so thankful that he came to help me. The strangers and my savior exchanged glances. The men were silent. I was starting to panic, thinking that they would attack him because he was there alone and I wouldn't have the strength to help him if they attacked. But that didn't happen. I almost heard their teeth grinding and one of them muttered something as the three of them went back across the bridge. My savior held my hand tightly and watched them. We stood in the same place for some time. He looked at me and smiled. And at that moment, my body gave up. I started shaking uncontrollably and I almost drowned in my own tears. He didn't say a word, he just held my hand and gave me some time to cool down. After a long moment, he offered to take me home. We walked slowly and talked about various things. Actually, he did all the talking, I was just nodding. I found out he was walking near the bridge and noticed the whole scene. He decided to react and help me if it turned out that his assumptions were correct. I asked him how he knew me and how he knew my name. He looked surprised, then smiled and said he didn't know my name. 
He had used that name because it's one of the most popular in our country. When we got home, I was still shaky, but happy. I offered him something to drink. I don't live alone, so I wasn't worried about letting him in. But he kindly declined, and we said goodbye. I reported to the police what had happened to me. They were very helpful, but I still feel uneasy thinking about it. I found out that I am not the only one who informed them about the dangerous men walking down the street at night. Two other women had reported before, and they described the men who harassed them, and the descriptions matched, so the police hoped to catch them soon. I was scared and hesitant, but I told them about my savior, too. He did not appear in the statements from the two women. One woman described three men, the other described five, but their descriptions did not match Luke. I wanted to believe he had nothing to do with them, but I'll be careful. I can't believe how lucky I was yesterday. If I hadn't met him, I don't know if I could write about it today. So, Luke, thank you. Thank you so much for saving me. I hope to meet you one day. As to these three strangers, I hope one day you will understand that your behavior is reprehensible and you will change your attitude to women who walk alone. And I hope to never meet you again. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Restaurant.com. With Restaurant.com, you can save at thousands of restaurants across the country with just a few clicks. Their dining deals range from $5 to $100, never expire, and cost you a fraction of the face value. Dinner has never been easier with Restaurant.com. Use for dine-in, take-out, or delivery. Restaurant.com is offering our listeners 50% off their next purchase by going to www.restaurant.com slash podcast. That's www.restaurant.com slash podcast for 50% off your next purchase. Restaurant.com. The best deal every meal. In our next experience, we hear from Reddit user SilkRaps123, and I'm happy to introduce new guest narrator Jesse Prey. Jesse co-hosts a podcast called Love Murder, discussing troubled love triangles and affairs gone wrong. The names in the story have been changed, and a link to the news article will be posted in the show notes. I am a teenage female. I had my own apartment for the first time. Having recently moved to a new city to study, I quickly made friends with a group of fun but somewhat troubled teenagers that spent their days loitering at a local coffee shop. One girl I met in particular is who this story is about. I instantly felt a strong sense of caring about her. She is sweet, bubbly, and the moment I met her remains one of my most favorite and clear memories of her. This girl tells me of a man named Mike who is like a father to her, her words. He wants to adopt her. Let's note this girl doesn't have an ideal family. Her real father is in jail, and she has a very low self-esteem as he just doesn't give her the care she deserves. I soon meet him, and right away I thought he was great. I was being so naive. He was a scary-looking biker in his 50s, had some awesome tattoos, told stories of great experiences, travel, and he seemed quite educated. 
I thought I was so mature and didn't think it was odd that we quickly became good friends, as the girl previously mentioned that she felt safe with him and we both cared for her. We would drive around, talk about everything. I went to him crying and he made me feel better within a few hours when the boy I was dating cheated on and then dumped me. I felt powerful having a friend like him. His favorite subject was the girl. He had met her a couple years prior, by chance, at the very same coffee shop. She looked exactly like his eldest daughter had at her age. He told me that two years prior, his oldest daughter, out of three, had committed suicide. The girl had filled a void. I felt for him, and I totally understood. A few months pass and the girl is staying with him. She is soon to be the legal adoption age, and that's when she can choose to be adopted by him. So he's getting more and more excited. Alongside her, I am the person who is closest to him. We spend time talking on the phone, visiting, I even sleep at his house. I hang out with the girl and am teaching her how to drive. Mike was like a father to me in this new town. He watches out for me. He tells me I'm important to him like the girl is. He would do anything for me. Some of the things he does for me include letting me leave a project car in his yard, buying parts for it, and helping me work on it, as well as aggressively confronting a boy who took advantage of me while I was intoxicated. Sorry for the huge setup, but it needs to be understood that I trust and look up to Mike with everything I have. Six months after meeting him, this girl turns of age to be adopted. I am now staying in a nearby town, not seeing them as much, but still visiting on weekends. I get a call and he is thrilled to tell me she has asked to be adopted by him and he wants to have a big party. I'm excited and I congratulate him. The last time I saw the girl was a few days before this and just as our first meeting is vivid in my memory, so is our last goodbye. A few days later, I hear that she has been reported missing and Mike is gone, ignoring my texts and eventually deleting his social media. Everyone is in a panic. This girl is adored by everyone and is as innocent as they come. This is the start of two months of major anxiety and guilt and hurt that Mike had left me. I thought he was there for me. For some reason, I still don't think he would do anything to hurt her. He loved her and protected her. Until a couple weeks later, on Facebook, I see a comment on one of the articles. The police are now searching for Mike, wanting to question him, although he's still not a suspect. A girl has commented, I am Mike's daughter. Can someone please get me in touch with the family immediately? He is dangerous. I do not believe she is safe if she is with him. WTF? I message her right away, give her the girl's grandmother's number and ask her what she means by he's dangerous. As we talk, I learn about a few things. He never had three daughters, only two. This girl I am talking to is the oldest. When she was a child, he abused her. And the girl who I care about so much is a spitting image of his real daughter when she was a teenager. They'd had a falling out two years prior, the time of his oldest daughter's suicide. I also learned that the girl certainly had not wanted to get adopted. She had thought that this was too much. However, she was being groomed and enjoyed the gifts. Someone who would give her whatever she wanted. A father figure while hers was not around. I suddenly am thinking about all the red flags. How could I have been so stupid? He had talked about his time in the Angels. He had put a man in the hospital shortly before I met him after a bar argument. He spent his days hanging around this coffee shop with teenagers? I have experiences with creepy and dangerous men of all ages. He totally had me fooled. I think of the times he told me he cared about me as he did her. The times he picked me up drunk from parties, drank at my house, I even slept at his house. 
Never once did he do or say anything inappropriate, but he had always been overly protective. The police and news reporters are calling me almost daily, asking me what I know about him. Asking for all these details, I ignore the reporters, fearing he will see me on TV. He is eventually found, questioned, and released. Not a suspect. But he disappeared again, and I never spoke with him. Two months after this lovely girl goes missing, her body is found. It is deemed a homicide. This was one year ago. There are no leads and no other info released by the police. I haven't heard from Mike. There have been many crazy theories since then and lots of speculation. I don't want to believe he did it, and he has not been arrested or made a suspect. But everyone thinks that he is very likely. He lied about many, many things. I learned the truth from his real daughter and can't possibly include it all here. I wonder where he is. I wonder if one day I'll be minding my own business and he'll appear. Something in me still doesn't believe he could hurt me, but something else wonders, could it have been my body found? But the worst part is the tremendous guilt I feel. I was with him all the time. I spent time with these two. Why didn't I intervene? I'm so, so sorry. So old man, let's not meet again. Although, I do miss you. Talk about a turtle conflict. Update. It's been three long years, and I really didn't know if I'd ever be able to make this update. But in September 2020, the man referred to as Mike has been charged with first-degree murder of my friend. Thank you, everyone, for the support three years ago and for the thoughts of hope for my friend. I hope this update finds some people who remember my original story. This episode is made possible by Supporty. Are you struggling to stay motivated to the goals you've set for yourself? Maybe you're trying to wake up earlier, but you keep hitting that snooze button. Or perhaps you have dreams of starting your own podcast or side hustle, but you haven't been putting in the work consistently. Well, one of the best ways to make lasting behavioral changes is with an accountability partner who will help you stick to positive daily actions. So how do you find a reliable accountability partner who's going to engage with you and keep you honest? Supporty is a mobile app that matches you with accountability buddies for a week at a time. Supporty pairs you and a buddy up one-on-one. That's for maximum accountability. Plus, it's mutual. So you encourage your buddy and they do the same each day of your seven-day session. What's really cool is you can see whether your partner accomplished their daily actions and they can see the same about you. If you want a more effective way to stay motivated, experience the difference of an accountability partner, download Supporty, that's support with an I at the end, from the Apple App Store or Google Play Store, and make sure you choose Disturbed Podcast when you create your account to start your two-week free trial. You can check out the show notes of this episode for more details. Get encouragement, get motivated, and achieve more with Supporty. Next up, we check in with Reddit user Let the Light Inside and featuring new guest narrator Ariel Cooksey, host of the podcast Malice. They explore the features and traits that create violent criminals. 
About 15 years ago, when I was 22-ish, my best girl and I went out to the bars three to four nights a week and generally met some interesting people. There were a few bars that we hit up more than others, and one in particular where we knew the bartender manager pretty well. We went the week of Halloween, and each night their staff would dress up in a different costume. This was where we came across Ron. He was bouncing at this bar and didn't even catch my eye in the slightest as I gave him my ID to get in. Until a few years ago, I never looked anyone in the face. I have to force myself to do it. My girl and I hung out, drank and danced, met some people, then headed up to the bar to chat with our friend. He asked me what I thought about Ron. I had no idea who he meant and he gestured to the bouncer, to which I was like, meh. He was older looking, very muscular, turned out to be a major gym rat. I was 22-ish, dressed in black and skulls and platforms, didn't seem my type on the outside, but bartender friend vouched for him, said he was a really cool guy. He asked if he could give Ron my number and I figured it would be okay. I hear from him the next day and he wants to hang, at the time, I lived with my uncle and aunt, pastor, and his wife, so he invited me to meet at his place, and we would just go have a casual hang somewhere. Simple, middle-of-the-day chill. I get there, and his apartment door is wide open, and he's much better looking, married, and closer to my age, best friend, is there. He seems nice enough, and... I didn't feel unsafe as they left the door wide open, and, again, my bartender friend had vouched for him. He mentions he needs to grab a few office supplies, so the three of us pile in his douchey car and head to an office supply store. We go in, and as we walk in, a pretty girl walks by, and he does the head thing and completely stares at her, like the obvious follow her with his head thing. We aren't together, but I found it to be rude. So later in the car, I mention it. I tell them, hey look, I know we're just hanging out, but don't disrespect me like that. Everyone looks, but be less obvious, and don't make me look like an ass in public. He laughs and tells me that it's hot that I stood up for myself, especially on our first hangout. Okay. We get back to his place, and as we walk inside, he says, I like that you're going to have a ring on your finger by December. Remember, we met Halloween week. So anyway, his friend leaves. We get takeout and hang and drink and just talk. Turns out he's from the same tiny town that my parents are from, which is six hours south of us. He's a Desert Storm veteran, which made him more than 20 years older than me, and was back in school to finish his degree, worked full time during the week and bounced at night and on weekends. Seemed decent. He asks about my tattoos, I have a lot, and we talked about my love of horror and fascination with true crime and serial killers. He seems interested, but says he doesn't know much about them, so I tell him I'll lend him my encyclopedia of serial killers so it can be like a crash course for him. Maybe a week later, we hang out again, and I bring him the book. We hang multiple times, I even sleep there a few times. One day we're hanging out and day drinking heavily. He says something to me that felt very much like he was getting way too comfortable too fast. Like 
telling me I had to do something. I told him not to speak to me that way and turned to walk away when my head jerked back. He had grabbed my hair at the base of my neck. I grabbed his hand and he tried to laugh it off and apologize, saying he didn't mean to be that rough and tried to act like it was some sort of foreplay, but I cut that off real quick. I wanted to leave, but was already very buzzed. So I just sat and he said he was going to do some work. I thought I would just let the buzz wear off, head home and never talk to this guy again. While I'm sitting and he's working, he suddenly decides to tell me in graphic detail about his favorite serial killer in the book so far and why. I think the way he's talking about it seems off, but again, I'm just waiting out my buzz. He starts working on a sociology assignment that is studying urban legends and stuff. He plays videos with horrible, creepy content, and it's creeping me out. I realized later that I felt that way because I didn't feel safe with him. I ask him to wait until I'm gone to play it out loud or put on headphones, and he laughs at me, tells me he can't believe I'm such a poser, tells me, you have all these tattoos and skulls and you're really scared. You look all goth or punk rock, you're terrified. He laughs this scary laugh. He's really enjoying that this creeps me out. I don't want to drive even mildly buzzed. I tell him that his reaction is really scaring me. I love scary things, but I realize this guy is enjoying watching me squirm in a really sick way, and he loves it. His face gets completely serious, and he suddenly tells me that he has his machete under his mattress. I look and see the handle barely sticking out. He tells me he could make me disappear, and no one would ever find my body. In that moment, my adrenaline hit. I grabbed my bag and ran to the door. He sort of slowly lumbered behind me, laughing at me and telling me not to leave. I am stone cold sober at this point, adrenaline I guess, and start my car, take off about two minutes down the road by the mall and just park and slow my breathing down. I call my girl and just unload. For the next week, he texts and calls me over and over, switching between begging me to give him another chance and berating me, calling me a poser and a fake. I tell our bartender friend, and we can't believe that Ron did all of those things. He only works with him a few more times, and they don't talk. Ron sets his sights on someone new, another chick in her early 20s. Her family owns the Vietnamese restaurant in the same strip as the bar. Bartender tells us Ron had just started seeing her, and she ended up pregnant immediately. I asked bartender to warn her or give her my number, but he never saw her again. I hope and pray that she didn't get stuck with Ron, and every time I'm in that area, I pray that I don't run into him again. He can keep the encyclopedia. I just hope he hasn't picked up any tips from it. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. 
And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men. And the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth. And together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together, we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Sean McCabe. And I'm Carrie McCabe. We are, well, married, obviously, (laughs) but we're also obsessed with the darker side of things. True crime stories, alien abductions, poltergeists. If it leaves you scratching your head and keeping those lights on at night, we want to hear about it. That's why we host the podcast Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Every week, we bring our listeners a true story guaranteed to send chills down your spine, from history's most brutal serial killers to the mystery of spontaneous human combustion. Yep, lots of these stories leave unanswered questions behind, and you'll get to poke through the rubble of the evidence with a hardened skeptic and... Someone whose mind is more open to fun. Yeah, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. You can find Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie wherever you get your podcasts, and on social media at Ain't It Scary. Come play with us. And here we are, winding down the first episode of October, and coming to our final experience of tonight's episode. But not before we hear from Reddit user KennyC5576, with narration by yours truly. One time, I went to the bar with one of my friends. I had just turned 21, so I haven't really been to the bars much up to that point. My friend was drinking on the way to the bar, so he was already pretty drunk when we got there. When I sat at the bar, a cute girl came up and talked to me and my friend. She said her name was Candace, and I noticed she had really, really bright red hair. I assumed she dyed it. It was pretty, but unnatural. Anyway, this girl was flirting with me and my friend. She could tell my friend was already very drunk. To be honest, I played along like I was drunk already too, since it seemed to be working for my friend. I didn't know if she was just trying to get free drinks, so I told her we didn't have much money. She offered to buy us drinks. She kept buying us drinks, and I started to get confused as to who she liked between me and my friend. My friend went to the bathroom. Before he came back, he was kicked out by the bouncers. He was too drunk. Candace and I went outside with him. She kept telling him to go home with her. He was so out of it, he could barely answer her. I told her he was too drunk and that I couldn't let him go anywhere. I didn't want him to wake up hungover in some random house with no car and no idea what happened. Candace kept pushing it 
saying that she would take care of him. But I told her no, because I had to stay with him. I was more sober than him, and he was my responsibility. I told her the only way he was going anywhere was if I tagged along. I assumed she thought that I was jealous or cock-blocking, but my friend could barely stand and lost interest in Candace already at that point. She immediately started flirting with me and offered to get my friend a taxi to drive him home and said that we could go to her place alone. At this point, I had had a few drinks and I was pretty buzzed so I agreed. We took my friend to the taxi and then walked to her car. I slightly stumbled on the way. Wow, you're pretty drunk, huh? She said smiling as she held on to my arm. Yeah, I said. I don't know why, but I just felt slightly shy and anxious. Everything was just happening too easily for me, so I felt uneasy. We got in her car and drove down the street. Want to stop at the liquor store and get some more to drink? I'll buy it, so don't worry about paying, she offered. I didn't want to drink any more than I already did. I was already buzzed and wanted to be able to carry myself throughout the rest of the night. Sometimes I made myself look stupid when I'm drunk, so I didn't want to ruin anything with Candace, more than I already did earlier with telling her my friend was too drunk. I told her I was already drunk enough, but she insisted. I didn't want to seem lame, so I told her to get me a pint of liquor with some apple juice to chase it. She went in the store and came out with a lot more than just a pint. I assumed she wanted to drink more also, and that's why she got a fifth instead of a pint. On the car ride home, we passed the bottle back and forth, but she took tiny sips. I tried to take tiny sips, but she kept passing me the bottle and telling me to drink. I somehow managed to drink all of my apple juice and pretend to drink the bottle by spitting the liquor in the apple juice bottle. I tossed the apple juice bottle full of liquor out the window before she saw it. I didn't want her to know I was acting more drunk than I was. She actually believed I was sloppy drunk when I was simply buzzed. I took a couple more sips of liquor and finished the bottle. Throughout the car ride, I called her the wrong name a couple of times to get a reaction out of her. She didn't react to it. She just kept letting me call her Carla without correcting me. For some reason, I thought she had lied to me about her name initially. We drove up to her house. I pretended to trip and stumble into her front door. She helped me walk inside by holding me up. She opened the front door, which was unlocked. We walked inside her house. She closed her front door and then locked it. I thought that was strange, but assumed she didn't want anyone walking in on us. I told her that I had to go use the bathroom. I walked to the bathroom, locked the door, and looked in the mirror. I just felt strange. I felt like something was off. I felt myself becoming more drunk from finishing the bottle earlier. I turned on the sink to make noise and made myself puke up the liquor I drank. I flushed and went to the sink and started drinking the tap water out of my hands to sober up. I just didn't want to be drunk, but I still wanted to hook up with Candace, so I wanted to pretend to be drunk. I turned the sink off and I could hear her talking to someone. He's drunk as hell. He can barely stand up. You do it. Who was she talking to? And do what? I walked out of the bathroom and into the living room. The moment I stepped into the living room, I saw her walking into another room. All I could see was the back of her head. That strange, very bright red hair go into another room. I didn't see her face or anything. I just saw her walk kind of fast into another room. 
The living room was pretty dark. Hey, where are you going? I slurred like I was drunk. She walked back into the dark living room and up to me. Let's go in my room, she said. I looked at her bright red hair and then into her eyes. They were different. Her face was different. That's when I realized. It was another girl with the same wig on. It was a wig the whole time. She had changed it with the girl from earlier for whatever reason. My heart felt like it stopped, but I tried to look like I had no idea that it was a different girl. I kind of smiled at her and just told her I needed to use the bathroom one more time and told her sorry I was so drunk. She said, it's fine, just hurry up in there. I went into the bathroom and locked the door. I heard her whisper something to someone again. This time, I think I heard a male voice whisper back. I honestly didn't concentrate on listening to exactly what she said. Something sketchy was going on and I had to get out of that house. I opened the bathroom window and jumped straight out of it and ran faster than I ever have in my entire life. I didn't look back or anything. I just ran through the backyard, jumped the fence, ran through someone else's backyard, hit a road, and ran towards the main road. I kept running down the main road until I saw a star CVS. I ran inside and stood straight at the front of the store in front of the camera. I called a taxi and went home. I try to think what happened that night. What was she, or they, planning that night? Why did she tell me a fake name? Why was she trying to get my friend and I so drunk? I thought, maybe a robbery, but she kept spending money on us. She kept buying us drinks and even paid for my friend's taxi. And mostly, why did she wear a wig that she gave to another girl to wear? Who was she talking to? What did it mean? And what was in that room they tried to lure me into? The next day after this incident, I went back to the house with a couple of friends to see just what was going on. Nobody was there. No cars, no people, nothing. Just an empty house. I ended up finding out that the house was a summer rental. And whoever those people were, they broke into that house and used it only for that night and never came back. Fan club members at the Platinum $10 level are receiving their additional bonus story right about here in the podcast. To get that little extra fix in every episode, you can join the fan club at the Platinum level right now at disturbedpodcast.com slash fan club. If you've enjoyed this episode of Disturbed, the best thing you can do is subscribe wherever you're listening, leave us a rating and review, and tell a few friends about us. All of these things help new people discover the podcast and keeps us growing. It's all greatly appreciated. Theme music for this episode by Kevin Hartnell. Special thanks to all the contributing narrators and submitters of these stories. You'll find all the relevant links in the show notes. You can see more info on our website, disturbedpodcast.com. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod. 
to stay up to date with all the latest Disturbed news. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search Disturbed Podcast and shoot us a text at 701-354-3667. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Stay safe out there, y'all.